Jesus. Hallelujah. You're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Come on, say, my house was built for this, everybody. You know, I heard this song a couple weeks ago, and uh, I just, something in me just comes alive when I hear proclamations like that. That no matter what I'm facing in this culture and in this time and in this day, come on, my house is going to be built on a firm rock. It's built on the foundation of Jesus, everybody. Amen. Come on, you can be seated today. Thanks. Can we give it up for that amazing team this morning for leading us and worship? And man, I'm just, uh, I'm so excited uh, every time that I come into God's house and get the opportunity to worship with his uh, just my family, my faith family. Hey, I want to look at the camera and welcome all those that are watching online today. Come on, Heartland family, help me welcome them to church. We appreciate you guys and love you and uh, wish that you were here with us. Uh, but this is the next best thing. And uh, a couple quick things for you to note uh, today. Uh, at the Movies is getting ready to start here in just a couple of weeks, uh, all throughout the month of November. I'll talk about this here in just a second. And then uh, if you're new to our faith family or for whatever reason you uh, jumped kind of out uh, during COVID and you've not been serving or not really made this place for whatever reason just a place where you're invested, I want to invite you to join us for Growth Track Step 3. That's after our 1130 service today. And uh, even if you have been a part of our church but you've stopped serving, Step 3 is all about the dream team. It's all about you finding your place and uh, would love to get you on the team serving somewhere, making a difference with the group of people who are making a difference. Uh, and if you are one of those brand new people there, I've met so many uh, new people uh, to our church over the last couple of months and would love for you to jump in and like, don't wait. You know what I'm saying? It's different to sit on the sideline than it is to be in the game, everybody. Uh, so would love for you uh, to jump in and, and to get involved. That, that song really is gonna kick us into uh, this message today uh, that we're doing. We're gonna close out the series uh, that we've been doing over the last four weeks. So this is the fifth week of Blurred Beliefs. And uh, I, I wanna read a verse of scripture. It's very short, uh, but it's just, it's, it's, it's a vision statement for my life. Uh, and I want it to be a vision statement for your life, uh, everybody. And it's in Joshua chapter 24. And it just says this, that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen, everybody? Come on, let's just make that declaration all over the room. I want you to say it with me. Will you say it with me? Come on, let's say it. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. When Joshua made this statement, he didn't say this in private. This statement that he made was in a public place. He didn't say it on a platform where cheers would resound. He said it in a time of great tension. He said it in a time where others, uh, he didn't necessarily know how they were going to feel or how they were going to respond. And yet still, he boldly said it. I said, he boldly said it. He boldly said it, and we need to boldly say it as well. And the generations and the family around him didn't realize at the moment that when he said it, how much they were going to need what he had said. And I'm here to tell you today that you need it as well. And as we bring this series to a close, I kind of want to shift gears uh, 
with everything that I've said up to this point, and I just want to seal what I've said. And if you haven't heard every message uh, in this Blurred Beliefs series, I really hope that you will, because uh, truthfully, I think that the messages in this series have been some of the most important that I've done in a long time. And um, I hope that it's motivated you and encouraged you. Has it helped you? Anybody in this room so far? And uh, I, I feel poured out, uh, if I can say it that way, uh, because this stuff's been in me for a while. And, uh, and I, you know, I, it's like when you, when you finish a race, uh, I feel like this is a race I've been preparing for for a minute. And so uh, At the Movies is actually coming for me at a very good time. Uh, because uh, I'll tell you a few reasons why we do at the movies, uh, just so that you know. Number one, it's, it's actually not for you. So if you're one of those people that say, says to me, you know, I don't really like at the movies, I just, I don't really care uh, if you do or if you don't, because uh, it's not really for you. It's, it's for people that you probably need to be having sitting next to you. And uh, it is a very evangelistic kind of thought. I mean, if you've never been to our At The Movies series before, uh, what we do is, is Jesus tells parables in Scripture, and so we use movies as a modern-day parable. And uh, I, th- I feel like we do the series extremely well. Kendra and I do it together. And, uh, and we have popcorn, and we have Cokes, and we have all the stuff going out in the lobby. And people, people love it because it's sort of a, a different experience than maybe what they experienced when they were growing up. Maybe they had a, maybe a friend of yours had a bad experience because of a church or they experienced church hurt or, you know, whatever. Well, I I would just tell your friend, hey, look, this is a real kind of safe environment. The point is for you to kind of get a feel of what church is like and kind of get a feel of who our pastors are and feel the community a little bit. And and I'm going to tell you this, this is really important to me, but the best way to get people in church is not by billboards and and it's not by cool marketing efforts. It's through you, everybody. It's through friends caring about other friends and saying, hey, would you, would you come to church with me? You know, would you, do you have a home church? If you don't, would you come? We'll go to whatever service you want to go to. The statistic is that 87% of people who are invited to church that don't normally go to church, a friend invites them, they'll say yes. And so I want to encourage you. Uh, I think it's healthy for a couple of times a year for you to have somebody in church next to you and feeling the weight of what that feels like. And you have my permission when we say to bow your heads and to close your eyes, you have my permission to bow your heads and close one eye. Uh, And I'm going to tell you, if you see a friend of yours that comes to church that gives their life to Jesus and says they want to be baptized and their life gets changed forever, you know what you'll say about at the movie? That's the best series there is, you know? Because that'll be the series that something was on the line and something changed in your life. And for the first time, it wasn't about you. It was about others. And it was about, forget just others. It's about someone that you know experiencing and coming to Jesus. And I think it's one of the most powerful things that you can experience. Amen, everybody? And, but then the other reason that I love At The Movies is because I film all four movies in advance. And the month of November, I get a little break. Uh, <laughs> and it's, it's nice for me. But today, uh, I want to cap this message. And I, I want to talk about the next generation. In the middle of such a time of confusion, like I've talked about over the last four weeks, um, I, I want to bring everything that I've said back home to where Really, the focus of all of this is, is it's, it's the next generation. If there's tension raging around us, what do 
people need from us that are coming up after us. In fact, the way that I've just kind of said it is three things the next generation needs from us. Now, full disclosure, I had five things that the next generation needs from us, but I'm just too long-winded. So uh, I brought it back down to three things. And let me just say it this way, that for the sake of this message, the they, what, what do they need, the next generation, that can be anyone that's younger than you. Okay, so I don't want you to think about this in terms of, well, my, my children only, you know, I, I will use terms like, like parents and stuff like that, but, but really this could be our church, what the, what the next generation needs from our church, everybody, what the next generation needs from you as an as a aunt or as an uncle or as a friend uh, or as a spiritual mom or a spiritual dad. There's someone that's coming up behind you that needs you. Amen, everybody? And so I want to talk about these things for a few minutes today, and I'll just tell you up front, this is really simple. The cookies are on the bottom shelf, but I really hope that you'll hear the heart uh, behind what I'm saying today. And this first one is really important to me, that the first thing that the next generation needs from us is they need us to declare certainty in uncertain times. They need us to declare certainty in uncertain times. Joshua... When he says this in Joshua 24, he was surrounded by uncertainty. The circumstances were uncertain, but his commitment to God was not. I want to talk to the men for just a second in the room. Men, one of the greatest gifts that you can give your family is the certainty of your faith in uncertain times. Certainty in your own direction with your faith. Certainty in your own future with your faith. Certain in your leading your family with your faith. If there was ever a time that we needed men that were certain and courageous, come on, it's right now, everybody. You know, when Sunday comes, I don't send my wife and my kids to church while I stay home. Come on, I lead my family. In fact, I'm the one out front saying, come on, we're going to go. We're going to do this. Well, you're the pastor. You don't have, no, 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 listen, we do it too. We had an incredible women's conference. Ladies, did you love this weekend? Come on, it was great. But I'm going to tell you, the temptation's the same for the Dean family that it is for every other family. Friday night was here. Saturday, all day we were here. Come on, we're going to be here Sunday too. We're going to be planted in the house of the Lord. I lead that. I do. When it's time to pray as a family, my kids don't wait to see who's going to lead it. Mom can lead it sometimes, but they know that the champion of the family prayer time is dad. Their dad is going to lead it. When our family gathers on Christmas with six little highly energetic grandchildren that wear me out after an hour with my mom and dad. We know who's leading in faith. We know who's going to say, all right, kids, come on, gather around. We're going to sit down and we're going to talk about why we do Christmas. And there's a story that's going to be read. And it's not just a tradition. It's a, a building and a discipling. We know That the patriarch of our family, my dad, is going to be the one to do that. You see, my job 
as the leader of my home is to bring certainty and clarity in the middle of uncertain times. Now, that doesn't mean that I have to know every answer to everything. Even this week, I've dealt as a pastor with things that I don't have all the answers to. But I just have, here's what it's about. I just have such a firm foundation in Christ that no matter what happens around me, it's predictable what you're gonna get from me, everybody. When my kids come home from school, they know the dad that they're gonna get. They don't have to wonder, well, how's dad gonna be today? Is dad gonna be in a good mood? Is dad gonna be in a bad mood? Is dad gonna be talkative? Is he gonna be shut down? Is he gonna be in front of the TV? They know what they're gonna get from me. It's certain. By the way, can I just say this, that if you can do that, if you can be that kind of a person, you'll be a spiritual leader worth following. And it won't just be your family. Others will want to come around you because all of us are looking for certainty in uncertain times. Not because you know everything, but because you're certain. Pastor Dan said it a couple minutes ago. I want to thank you for your prayers and your support for the Kittrell family over the loss of their son. It's been a very, very difficult week. But it's not just been a difficult week for them, it's been a difficult week for nursery workers, it's been a difficult week for kids' teachers. Parents, these are, these are core leaders in our faith community. Can I just say this? Let me just coach you for just a second. That anytime one of us as a faith family experiences tragedy, we, we don't need your sorrow. We don't need your apologies. We don't even need your consolation. We need your certainty in Jesus. And that's what we're going to give them. Amen, everybody? The certainty of Jesus in the middle of hard, difficult times. That's what we're going to do. And that, that's the way we should be for anyone. When they walk through tragedy, when you walk through difficulty, you should be able to walk into the house of God and know what you're going to get. To know. And if you don't get that or if you don't know that, you've never experienced that in your life, I'm telling you, there's power in it. And I, I just want to say this to you today publicly. I just want to say that I love you. I just want to say I'm proud of you for the way that you're responding, for the way that you respond to every need in our church. That's what the community around us outside the walls of this church needs. It's an uncommon certainty in something that's greater than what they can see, everybody. And it's what your kids need in times when it gets hard financially. Come on, you're certain, everybody. You're just certain. It, when you're in job loss, come on, you're certain. When you walk through heartache in your life, you're certain. You just Live certain. And I want to speak to all the men and just, and just tell you that you're, you're needed, guys. You're needed. You're needed in kids' classrooms. Kids' classes are not just places that women are supposed to be. Amen, Amen ladies, in the room today? You're needed in those kind of spaces. They're for men. If I wasn't standing on this stage right now, guess where I'd be? I'd be over in kids because it's the most impactful place that I can spend my time. You're needed with junior high students. You're needed with high school students. You're needed. Last Sunday was Brooklyn's seventh birthday. And before the night ended, I grabbed Brooklyn and I sat her on the couch 
And I told her the seven things that I loved about her the most. And I'm going to tell you, this isn't a compliment to me. The little girl was just, you know, she was melting into my arms. It's not an insult to my wife, Kendra. Kendra says those things, it matters. But the voice of her father is different. And it brings a certainty to a child. Like, a, like I need to be like real honest. As soon as I said the seven things, she went and jumped in bed with mom and cuddled and watched a movie. <laughs> because she relates to mom. But she needs the certainty of her father. Men, your voices are needed in your family. Your voices are needed in the church. Your voices are needed with young men who are looking for a man to follow. So if he finds him in the street, he'll hit the street. If he finds him in the school, that's what, who he'll emulate. Finds him at church, come on. He's now got a spiritual hero that can show him the way. If we ever needed dads on duty, spiritual dads on duty, come on, it's right now. Dads, you are needed. Amen, everybody? Come on. If you agree with that statement today, let me hear you clap your hands all over the room. Verse in Psalm 112 says this, praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. I love this next part. Their children will be mighty in the land. Come on, can we just take a second and say amen to that all over the room? I'll read it again. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find, come on everybody, great delight. If I find great delight in honoring, following, looking to the Lord, if I make it my, my greatest ambition, my children become mighty in the land. And the generation of the upright, come on everybody, is blessed. Anybody want to claim that, believe that promise for their kids today? Come on, say mighty in the land. Come on, say it again, mighty in the land. Studies show that it takes two, just two generations for poverty to become a mindset in a family. And when you have a poverty mentality or a mindset, you can no longer see potential. You don't, you don't see the power to create wealth. So, so, make sure I say this carefully. You, you can give someone in need a handout, but if they have a poverty mentality, you can bet that they're going to be there again shortly. And I think it's, it's such a challenge. Sometimes it's so hard to get people who have that kind of a mindset to see because they think that what they just need is a break. You know, I just, can I just get a break? But what they really need is they need to be able to think differently than the way that they're thinking right now. They need to be taught. They haven't learned. And, and, and so they need the enrichment and the help to learn what they do not know. Two generations. But on the flip side, think about what can happen in two generations. If you can change the structure, the vision, the mentality of your family. When, when my grandfather, and just so that there's some of you that don't know the history of our church, uh, my grandfather came to this church. There were 27 people that were looking for a pastor. 
And when he became a pastor, he, he knew very little about being a pastor. He was raised very, very poorly. His mom died uh, when he was very, very young. His dad couldn't take care of him, so he, he sent him to live with his uncle. And living with his uncle, he, he was eight, eight years old, you know, working, and he just didn't know a lot. Wasn't educated, you know, knew very few people, didn't have many opportunities. But he made a decision in his life somewhere along the way that he was going to start learning and he was going to start growing. And when he got into pastoring, he was a part of a denomination. It was kind of what the way that he sort of came into the faith. But years into it, he had this realization internally that there was more for him than this. And because the denomination was so restrictive, people inside of it weren't allowed to look outside the denomination. If you looked outside of it, it was wrong. It was, it was a sinful thing to do. But my grandfather, at the season of his life, had the courage to say, I am certain that there's more. There's more. And he left the denomination. And he was persecuted for it. But he knew. He was certain there was more for him and for his future. Today, my dad would tell you that he would have still been a part of that denomination if it weren't for the certainty of my grandfather. He's told me before, if your papa wouldn't have left, I don't know that I would have left. But he was certain, and so because he was certain, I followed his certainty. And because he did, it opened up my dad's world and his ministry. And it took off to where he's had a global, national opportunity. And, he, and as a result of that, he got me in front of some leaders that led differently. Are you sure, Dad? Dusty, I'm certain. That there's more. And because my grandfather did, and my dad did, now I'm able to lead from a healthier place than the place that they had. I would have grown up in a small box with a limited view, with limited exposure, with a small reach, with a small mentality. Here's what I'm trying to tell you some, right now. I'm actually living in the fruit of someone else's certainty right now in this moment. I'm living in that. So somebody says, you better be careful, you know, not to get prideful or anything like that. I'm just going to tell you, I've, I've done nothing. I'm only a result of shoulders that I've gotten to stand on every single day. The reason I tell you that is because for some of you, in your story right now, you're my grandfather. Like, it's starting with you. You will be the one. For you, it will be the hardest. For you. It was the hardest for him. When he came to Dallas, he and Lady 27 people. It took work and toil and it took blood and tears. Come on, it was so hard. It's the hardest for you because there is no example. There is no dad to look to for certainty. There is no opportunity. 
no advantage. So what it'll take for you is for you to get certainty in your own heart. Others of you, come on, you're manning the middle right now. You're manning the middle in a time where, and let's just say this, it's hard for you because you've got to be loyal to the past while still pushing towards the future. And so you get caught in between two worlds sometimes. Others of you, you're where I'm at. And can I tell you the greatest temptation of where I'm at is to mail it in and to get fat and happy off the blessing of those who come before us. Let me tell you, the prosperity test is one of the greatest tests. But you have to make the decision to push when you don't always have to. And there are many of you that are in this room today that are living off of somebody else's blessing and you're living way below your potential. You talk about your limits too much. You talk about what you can't do too much. If I bring up a topic like this, you shrug it off. Well, you don't know me. I'm here to tell you today that in every family, in every lineage, there is a turnaround that took place somewhere. The turnaround can start with you today, right now, in this moment. And if you feel like there's not been a turnaround in your family lineage, I want to encourage you that you can start it today. Don't underestimate what God wants to do in you. If you go God's way, if you live God's way, if you trust God's way, just see what he'll do. Amen, everybody? Having faith in the Lord that he can turn your life around, that he can use you to affect the future of your family tree. Come on and clap your hands if you're thankful for that today. Like, I get to be the one. A God that can use me. I, I don't know if, if when my grandfather was saying yes to Jesus, he was thinking about me. But I know that every time I preach about Jesus, I'm thinking about him. And I've determined that in the life of my daughters, that when I'm gone, that they will look at their dad and say that their dad was a place of certainty. In uncertain times. My dad was certain. I want to honor my dad today. Thank you for being so certain. I remember when in 2010. We had 26 acres. Out on 161 plans to build a beautiful church in that location. And the bank, if you guys remember the credit crash that had happened around that time, and the bank said, we're not giving out any new loans and we're, we can't help you. We'd already sold the building that we were in. So essentially, we had no place to go. And I was, 2010, so 12 years ago, I was 27 years old. And I remember I was freaking out. And my dad said, I'm going in my office and don't come in until I come out and I've heard from Jesus. See, in those moments, he didn't look to somebody else to get certain. He looked to Jesus to get certain. 
And he walked in uncertain and he walked out certain. We're living today in the certainty of spiritual leaders that came before us. Let me just ask you this question. What can a future generation live in in the future because of your certainty? It's a profound question. It's an important question. It's a question that you should be thinking about every single day that you live. Number two, this one's short, but they need us to help them. This is like the longest point I've ever had. But what do they need from us? They need us to help them know who they are and to help them be confident and secure in their identity as children of God. I think the identity question is the greatest question that Gen Z is dealing with right now. Simply put, they do not know who they are. And they don't know who they are Can I say it? Because the generation before them has not done a good job of showing them. It's easy to blame kids for not knowing. But if I'm a kid and I don't know Jesus, is that my fault or is that someone else's fault before me that didn't show me who Jesus was? They need to know, everybody. They need to know that they are image bearers that they are made in the image of God, that they have a divine design that was given them by God. They need to know that nothing about them is a mistake, that who they are isn't a mistake, that their gender isn't a mistake, that their skin color isn't a mistake, and neither is anyone else's. They need to know that before they were born, God knew them. Our kids, those coming up, they they need us to protect them and their self-concept and to help them realize their identity in Christ because that was one of the very first lies that Satan tried to deal humanity is to cause us to doubt who we are and to cause us to doubt who God made us to be and to undermine our identity. Our children need us to protect the self-concept of their identity in Christ and to teach them to reject all the negative words used to describe them or anyone else because when God made them, he did not make a mistake. When he made you, he didn't make a mistake. You are uniquely you and who God designed you to be. Here's the last one. And I just want to sit on this with the rest of our time, and we'll close with this today. But they need parents in the church to partner together on their behalf. I want to say this, that if you'll team up with the church, the impact the church can have on your kids will be one of the most powerful partnerships that you ever create. Two, two groups of people have to wake up if we're going to impact and help next gen. And that's parents and the church. Let, let me speak to both of these for just a moment. First of all, the church has got to wake up. And the church has to recognize their part. You know, when COVID started, 
And so many Christians got sort of swept into all of the worldly mindsets. I'm going to be really honest with you. I took it very hard. And I took it very personally. And I'm healthy enough to realize that I can't be responsible for the mindsets of the whole world. But I am responsible for those that make this their church. And God really convicted me. And initially, if I'm just honest with you, in the middle of all of this, I, I, I just kind of wanted to sort of man the middle. You know, that was kind of my, my thought. I'm just going to, you know, I'm a new pastor. You know, Kendra and I had been the pastors here for three months, and then COVID hit. It's just awesome. Uh, and I, I'm thinking to myself, you know, just don't make waves. Don't screw this up. But God convicted me something. He said, I don't want to screw this up, God. God said to me, you only screw up things you know that you try and do in your own strength. So I started asking God. I've been asking God. Show me the problems. And give me and our team the wisdom to know how to help these families. Because too many families, too many parents don't know their Bibles. And so what happens is they hear the newest ideology of the day and they get blown in that direction without even realizing it. The church has not done a good job equipping the body of Christ and equipping parents to build kids. In fact, I, I, I'm just going to go on a rant for just a second, okay? Uh, <laughs> I don't know how many of you are on TikTok or you know what TikTok is. You need to understand how this tool is being used to impact kids today. It is not healthy. And I'm not saying that as like a deranged old man, you know, that TikTok, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> because here's what TikTok does. If you watch a video, its algorithms teach you or, or learn what you like or what you're watching. And so they just start feeding you the same things, okay? So let's say that a friend shares with you a video that they watched and you watched that video. It's trained to start sending you more of the same content, which doesn't sound like a big deal if you like animals and so you're getting puppy videos all the time, okay? But it's especially harmful if you're getting sent, if a friend one day stumbles across a video of progressive Christianity, which is not Christianity, and you start watching some of this stuff. So the other day, I, I started watching videos on progressive Christianity on TikTok. I could give you a million examples of this. I thought about playing two or three of them in church just to show you examples of this. So this one video, there's a guy. His name is Pastor Matt. That's what his name is on his account. Okay? And he's got a sign, and he's, he's turning it over. And at the top of the video, it says, Seven Lies about religion that you need to unlearn, okay? And then he's turning over his sheet, and it's showing you, okay? So this is a pastor, or parading himself as a pastor. Seven lies you need to unlearn, okay? And here are the seven things that he said, all right? Number one, my religion is the only true religion. Non-believers are damned. 
Suffering is a test or a punishment. God is disappointed in me. God is a prude. God is a male. God hates, fill in the blank. And then after that, at the bottom, it just said, God is love. Now, as I watched this video, I knew the truth about every single one of these statements. Okay? I knew which of these, like, is, okay, that one, yeah, that makes sense according to the Bible. Okay, yeah. But I thought about how many Christians don't. Like, for instance, the author says, it's a lie, it's a religious lie that God hates, that God hates anything. The problem with that is in Scripture, we see God hates a lot of things. We see God hates sin. God hates wickedness. God hates idolatry. God hates child sacrifice. God hates sexual perversion. God hates those who do evil. Proverbs 6 actually lists seven things that the Lord hates. That's what it says. The Lord hates and then lists seven things. Pride, lying, evil plots, those who hate evil, or love evil, I'm sorry, those who are false witnesses, and troublemakers. Notice the people part of this, that, that, that there are people that the Bible actually teaches that God hates. Why? Because God can't separate your sin. He can't separate a lie from the liar. And so before a person repent, repents, the Bible says that they are called enemies of God. Yet, The message of the gospel is that even because of this, he still loved you, that he sent his own son to die for you, an enemy of God. So by God's nature, yeah, he he is love, but he hates what is contrary to his nature. He hates what is contrary to love. But if a Christian doesn't know this, they watch this video and they they hear God doesn't hate and they're like, "I, I mean, that sounds right. God doesn't hate. God, God, God wouldn't damn anyone. And it sounds good, but it's not right according to the Bible, which this guy who's posted this doesn't know, and he's parading as a pastor. He is literally, as the Bible refers to, a wolf in sheep's clothing. He is the very definition of a false teacher. And pastors and the church have to feel the weight and the responsibility to prepare their flock for when people are coming into this kind of stuff that they don't be led astray. But I I want you to know that I'm actually not discouraged right now about the church. I'm actually encouraged. Let me tell you what's happening in Christianity in America right now. Two things are happening at the same time. There is a falling away and there is a stepping up. It's happening at the exact same time. And it's amazing to watch. I I have a seat at the table of the church in America. Pastors, friends, you know, networks of churches all across this country. And this is true nationwide right now. The first thing that's true is is there's a falling away. There are people being deceived and leaving churches at, at historic rates. Some have been hurt. Some have been lied to. People are angry. People are speculating. People are judging. People are suspicious. Part of the responsibility of that falls on pastors. And we should feel the weight of that because pastors, if I'm just honest with you, they've caved under pressure. They've loved money. They've had affairs. 
They've become addicted. They've abused their family. They haven't discipled their church. They haven't talked about things that they're hard. They've avoided topics that people need clarity on. So there is, a, like, not every pastor is doing all those things, by the way. Like, there's a lot of really good pastors who may be guilty of a couple of those things. So there is a falling away, but at the same time, there's a stepping up. And I think what's starting to happen is the church is recognizing we've got to be builders. And I don't mean builders in the sense of bigger churches. I mean builders of hearts and builders of people. And what encourages me is I'm seeing pastors step up. Now listen, there's going to be some bad apples, bad apples on every tree. But I'm telling you, I want to say this to you, that there's a lot of really good godly men and women that are pastoring and leading churches across America. And what I'm really excited about is a lot of them are getting some courage. And the church is beginning to wake up. In addition to that, families are starting to wake up. Recognize, realizing their need for community. They need to plant their kids. Listen, we gotta plant our kids, everybody. We gotta disciple our kids. The church isn't meant to be something that we go to on Sundays. It's meant to be the most powerful entity on earth. That when you face storms, that when the trials of life hit, that when you're walking through difficulty time, people walk with you. They hold you up. They don't let you fall. They don't let you disintegrate under the lies of culture. They hold each other up. That, that you need God's promises, everybody. That your kids needs God's promises. And so there's a shift that's happening right now. The church isn't getting weaker. Come on, the church is getting stronger right now. I said the church is getting stronger. The church is getting stronger. And I just want to challenge every parent in this room right now. Let me read you a verse. I'm getting ready to close. Deuteronomy 6. This is like... Man, if there were a verse that's like the verse for me when it comes to the way I'm raising my kids right now. It says, these commandments that I give to you today, they're to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home. Talk about them when you walk along the road. Talk about them when you lie down. Talk about them when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. See, let me tell you something. Here's where the church has got it wrong. We, we've decided that discipleship is a class that you come to for an hour and a half once a week. And we think that that's discipleship. Discipleship isn't that. Discipleship is, let me show you some things while we're at the house. Let's talk about this. And, and discipleship is, hey, as we're walking, let, let's talk. And, and as we're doing life, let's talk. And as we're laying down, and as we're going through tragedy, and as we're walking through things as a family, like, like let me, let, let's make no mistake about it. Like, we're all growing a little bit through what's happened in our community this week. Like, we're all, we're all gonna be built. Because we don't just walk through life and, and then come to a class and we're taught everything. Like, we, we get in the trenches and we learn it together. And when you lose your job, somebody stands with you and says, come on, let me teach you a couple of things about God and about his presence. And, and, and when 
difficulty strikes and, and when the good, when blessing comes. Okay, blessings come, but now let me, let me teach you about blessing. and what do, How do we respond in blessing? And we get God's word hidden in our heart. Parents, this is what the call for you to do is. It's not to send your kids off to a class. Send them over here. That will just do the trick for them. Let me, no, 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 no. This is your responsibility. It's your job to raise your kids in the knowledge of who Jesus is, to understand what they're doing and what they're watching. Impress it on your kids. Listen, to, I'm not saying preach to them and don't have any fun. If you, if you treat your kids like a drill sergeant, you'll lose them. I'm talking about, talk about what God's doing. Talk about what he's done. Give your children the right language. Give your children something to work with. I'll close with this story. My dad, when we were little, he used to do this thing. I don't know if you know this, dad, but we'd be driving and he would kind of be humming under his breath. And then out loud, we'd all just be sitting there and it'd be kind of quiet. And he'd go, thank you, Jesus. And it'd scare us, you know? Like out loud, just say, thank you, Jesus. And we didn't know it was, you know, about to come. We'd, like, thank you, Jesus, for what? I remember I'd be sitting there like, what just happened? <laughs> he would just randomly do this. We'd just be driving down the road. He'd just burst out, thank you, Jesus. I didn't really think much about it. So one day I was riding with my grandfather. We were riding down the road and all of a sudden, Papa, thank you, Jesus. You know what I'm talking about right now. It was like a sing praise. It scared me just as much. And it was like, I know where you got that. A couple weeks ago, I'm driving. And out of nowhere, my girls are in the car. And I say, thank you, Jesus. And I hear Jaden in the back seat go, why did you say that? And I had a moment where I realized that I learned something from my dad who learned something. And that it was that in every situation of life to give God thanks. And it wasn't hard because every day I just saw it. I didn't even realize I was seeing it, but I just saw it. And your kids need to see it too. They need to see you worshiping. They need to see you reading. They need to see you giving. They need to see you serving. They need to see you living sacrificially. Like, let's go, everybody. Like, like no more games. Amen? Like, 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 let's get busy. Like, let's get busy doing the things that God has called us to do. Let's get busy. Let's get hungry to grow. The other day I said to Brooklyn, I said, you know what I love about your mom? And she went, I know, Dad. And I went, what? And she went, her bottom. I mean, I said, I mean, you're right, but 
that's not what I was going to say. But it hit me. She's been listening. (laughs) See, one of the things I've tied as a symbol around my kid's neck is how much dad thinks of mom. And how much dad loves a mom. Like, come on, this generation needs us, everybody. They need us. They need us to stand up. They need us to rise up. They need us to have discipline. They need us to disciple our children. We got a job to train them up. We got a job. We got to raise them up in God's house. Come on, let's sing it out today all over the room. Like, let's find a church. Let's get planted. Let's do everything that God's called us to do in this moment. Let's sing it out. Hallelujah. Sing it out, come on. This is how it works every day. Come on, lift your hands and sing it to Jesus today. family in this room today in the middle of a time where the war is raging for our families for an ideology that isn't of you Lord I thank you right now that you're going to help me as a pastor to help our church grow and to lead us into all truth and as we're guided into truth we're going to be made aware of the knowledge of Jesus and we're going to take that knowledge and we're going to sow it into our kids Lord we declare over our children today that they will grow up and flourish in the courts of our God all the days of their lives Lord we declare that they will be blessed and we declare that when the enemy tries to bring in and distort truth that they will know what truth is and that they will stand for truth at any cost Lord we ask right now that you use this this time to motivate a dad to motivate a mom to put first the kingdom of God in everything that they do. And we love you today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say amen all over the room today. Come on, let's clap our hands. Today is Baptism Sunday. If you've never been water baptized and maybe you want to make the decision to do that, you know, the way I like to describe it for people is is that water baptism is like the ring 
of your faith. You've already made a decision to follow Jesus. And then once you do, that's a private decision, but you go public. You make a public declaration of your private decision to follow Jesus. That's what baptism is. Jesus commanded it, by the way. And if you've never had a meaningful baptism experience in your life, today after this service, we have all the elements that you need to have a spontaneous baptism, or you can meet with our baptism team out in the lobby. They'll help you plan it so that you can bring family and friends with you the next time uh, that it rolls around, and it can be a big celebration for you and your family. Regardless, out in front of our fountain today, there's a table that's set up. We would love to help you find uh, your next step in water baptism. It would be awesome. Church, I love you so much. If you want to give, there are boxes that are in the hallways today. Thank you for being so faithful in this area. Lord, I pray for every family. Let them walk out of here being blessed this week. Give strength to all of us, Lord. We thank you for walking and being our God. And we love you today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say amen. Amen. I love you guys. Have a great rest of your day today. We'll see you next time. Come on, team. Let's sing them out.